Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying our readings of popular Reddit posts. We love providing this service so that you can listen to these podcasts to pass the time, to fall asleep to, or to be entertained while still staying safe on your commute to work. We love to have the freedom to cover even more posts, but the recording and editing is time-consuming work and doesn't pay the bills. If you feel you're getting regular value out of these episodes, please consider supporting us with a small monthly donation. You can donate easily by visiting anchor.fm slash redditreaders and clicking on support this podcast. Every little bit helps, even if it's just enough to cover our morning cup of coffee. As always, thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ask Reddit, a subreddit where anyone can ask a question and the most popular answers get upvoted to the top. Today's question, psychologists of Reddit, have you ever been genuinely scared by a patient before? What's your story? I saw a new client for our first session at my home practice. We seemed to click and work together fine. He said he wanted to work through some trauma he experienced when he was physically attacked by a previous psychologist. Hearing about a terrible psychologist always riles me up, so I was immediately on his side. When I talked with my supervisor about the case a week later, she asked me his full name, which never happened, so I was weirded out immediately. She googled the name, then and there, and wordlessly handed me her iPad. It was full of news articles about this client and his attacks on psychologists in my local area. I obviously did not see him again, but I was so nervous for ages because he knew where I lived. A few people had unpredictable anger and outbursts that could be scary at times. And once a husband brought a gun to a couple's therapy session and threatened to kill himself and his wife. Luckily, we were able to calm the situation down, but things like that can end badly and you always have to be aware that the possibility when emotions run high. Clinical psychologist here, I used to work in a prison and did a parole evaluation for an inmate that was a high-ranking gang member in a national gang. By his account, he was the highest ranking in the state. In fact, he was placed in that prison to hold his people accountable and keep the peace. He had a long, violent record and was, in my opinion, a genuine psychopath. Part of the eval is discussing the crime and assessing remorse and whatnot. He was so clinical in his description of how he tortured and left this guy to die over an unpaid debt. Live by the sword, die by the sword, was his phraseology for the act. Like it was nothing. He was also very nonchalant about his ability to take care of his business while inside. I believed him. He had only spent 18 months of his last 15 years outside of prison. My recommendation was not to parole him. There were various factors that I gave, and in the end, the parole board went with my recommendation. So the part that actually scared me, this was my first parole eval, was this guy's ability to affect the world outside. He could have sent someone to my house if he wanted to. I had no doubt about that. More experienced psychologists told me not to worry about it, that he knew the score and wouldn't take it personally. I had a hard time buying it. I was running a long-term offender group a few months later, and he was part of it. After the first group, I pulled him aside and asked if we were good. He smiled at me and told me not to worry. I did my job, and he didn't blame me for writing what I did because it was true. He went on to be a really insightful and active group member. Criminal defense lawyer here. A lot of those guys basically understand that we exist in the system 
but that were in a different role than they are. So they might kill a guy for shorting them on cash because he's part of their world, but not be upset at the prosecutor who sends him to jail for a decade because that prosecutor isn't. It's an interesting disconnect. Not a psychologist, but I used to work in a psych ward as security. We had this huge guy with schizophrenia detained in 1S, which is the ward for those who have been legally determined to be unfit and are not allowed to leave. When I say huge, I mean he was like 6'5", gigantic muscles, and he used to be an MMA fighter. Real nice guy when medicated, but when in psychosis, he was not someone you'd want to go toe-to-toe with. He would sometimes have to call police to help us deal with him. One officer would arrive and take a look at him and go, nope, and call for backup. So one day, I was guarding the entrance to 1S. He was doing fairly okay, so he wasn't confined to his room and was allowed to walk around the supervised communal space. He puts down his magazine, goes into his room, and then walks out naked. Dude walks up to me, stands about an inch away, and looks down at me. I mean way down, as I'm only 5'3". He tells me he's leaving. I asked if he would like some shoes or a gown. He says no, he's leaving, and I better step aside. So I did. You better believe I stepped the F aside and let him walk out. I followed him at a safe distance through the psych ward, where everyone basically pinned themselves against the wall to get away, and out into the parking lot while on the call with the cops. I can't leave the grounds, so once he was off hospital property, I could only inform the police to which way he was running, which was down into a heavily populated downtown core. Not even 15 minutes later, he comes back and walks back into the lobby of the ward and asks for me. He wants shoes, after all. Not a robe, but shoes. So I bring him shoes to prevent him from getting violent, and off he goes again, as I repeat the process, following him to the edge of the grounds and calling the cops. Cops bring him back and put him into his secure room. However, once he is in there, they are not allowed to restrain past a certain point. So the whole security team assembles, which is me and about five men, They decide I'm to hold a leg as I'm small and legs are easier to restrain. So we go into the room in a triangle formation with me as the last to enter. He must have missed when I came in the door because he started screaming that I was a shapeshifter and freaking out. It took us about 30 minutes of restraining him before he was medicated enough to calm down. Fast forward maybe two years later. I'm no longer security or live in the town. But I went for a metal show. I joked to friends that I was worried someone I had dealt with in the hospital might recognize me and have bad memories. Lo and behold, there is MMA fighter taking shots at the bar. Now, I know that he shouldn't be drinking with his meds, but hey, it's been two years and I don't know anything about his current health status, so whatever. I still tried to avoid him in case he remembered my shape shifting. At one point, our lines to the bar coincided and I ended up standing next to him. He looked up at me, looked down, and then looked back up and stared. Hard. I could tell he recognized me, but I could also tell that he was trying to figure out from where. The entire night, I could see him lingering around me, staring with this befuddled expression on his face. I was a tad scared. Once, when I was a medical student, I was asked to see a patient in the psychiatric unit of the emergency room. I walked in with my short white coat and clipboard and asked the guy what brought him in today and what was wrong. He looked me dead in the eyes, with foamy saliva dribbling from the corner of his mouth, 
and a strange smell in the air and said, the devil told me to kill you and kill myself. He was sweaty and his eyes were bloodshot and his wife beater had dark red brown stains on it. The door was behind him and I wasn't sure I could make it there before something bad happened. I had no idea if he had a weapon on him. I was afraid of calling loudly for help. I was in quite the corner of the ER and I felt like I would have to yell hard to get attention and I didn't want to startle him. I stayed there for a half hour and asked him more questions. Finally, I slipped out when he started to look sleepy. First thing I was taught when doing psych rounds, never let a patient get between you and the door. First thing they told us when we did psych, I remember this one old psychiatrist whose face just didn't look right and had a weird hand. Apparently, he had a patient come in years ago who thought that God was telling him the psychiatrist was Satan. Took a meat cleaver to the guy and he cut him up really bad. The psychiatrist couldn't get out of his office because the patient's chair was between him and the desk. They ended up rearranging all the offices at the university clinics so the psychiatrist would always be sitting closer to the door and there was always a desk separating them from the patient. I'm a therapist, not a psychologist if that matters. I used to work in a facility for kids and adolescents with pretty intense behavioral issues. Even when a client was aggressive, I was usually able to de-escalate them and I generally didn't feel unsafe. In fact, most of the time, I was concerned about their safety during outbursts. With one exception. I had a client that was pretty strong and prone to intense tantruming. This client was acting in a way that was unsafe. Had a plan to seriously hurt another resident, I think, so I had to put them on restriction. Within staff eyesight at all times. Their response was to run up to me and attempt to choke me. Luckily, the staff got there in time and prevented this kid from seriously hurting me. On another occasion, this same client also took apart their curtain rod in their bedroom and swung it at my head. I dodged in time. Oddly enough, this client and I had a pretty good relationship the other 99% of the time, and I generally enjoyed working with them. When I was studying psychology in my final year, I had the opportunity to meet with convicted felons. Essentially, I sat down and spoke to a man in his 30s who was a sexual offender. He told me he used to marry women and then rape their young daughters. Each was in the range of six to seven years old. I listened to him explain it. It was literally my instructions not to judge them. I had to sign a waiver to not get emotional. So I asked him about the home life of those he abused. He'd said that some of the women he married had other children, and in one case there was an older sister who was 13, but he would never, ever touch her. He'd drop her off at school where he told me he was never into any of the children he saw and take her to practice in friends' houses, and while she was gone, he'd go back and rape her six-year-old sister. He told me that it was really isn't about being attracted to prepubescent girls, It was about the dominance and power that came with having sex with them. He's being rehabilitated now. The weird part was that I wasn't sure if he was acting remorseful because if he was, he was amazing at it. He was just very open to my questions and expressed regret, and I almost believed him. However, when I met a man who was convicted of child porn, his I feel terrible were transparent and so full of shit it was disgusting. My professors warned me about manipulation, so that was easy to catch on to, but with the previous guy, he was either an impeccable liar or manipulator, 
and he genuinely wanted to get better. Crazy. Therapist in training here, and my tutor, who is a childhood abuse and trauma specialist, tells some horror stories. The one that stood out for this question was a guy in his mid-40s who had lived most of his life with the extreme paranoia that his parents were sending people to get information from him to blackmail him with. This guy was extremely unstable and was legally obligated to go to therapy after committing some petty theft because he believed his parents were tracking his money. Anyway, he'd been going for about six weeks and he began to talk about a plan for the future. He was kind of vague but said he had worked out a way to break free from his childhood and move forward. My tutor was apprehensive but hopeful. He had been making good progress in the previous sessions. Fast forward a week and this guy is back again. He's noticeably agitated and he's carrying a large sports bag. My tutor remarks that she's pleased to see him and likes his new bag. He breaks down. He confesses that he has a machete in the bag and had planned to kill everyone from his old life, starting with his therapist, so he could be free from his past. But she was very nice and would be hard to kill. My tutor politely excused herself and called the police. The guy was very compliant. He'd pretty much given up at that point, but the police confirmed he did indeed have a large machete in his bag and his car was full of garbage bin bags. She said that he was the only time she felt she was close to dying and says the morale of this story is to treat all of your clients well because you never know who's plotting your murder. A very sweet, mostly blind teenager who was going through his first psychotic break had a love of martial arts. Taekwondo, if I remember correctly. Like, he was really, really good at it. He couldn't see and would practice kicks and at one point accidentally kicked one of the reinforced shatterproof windows in the quiet room. Think padded room without the padding. Turns out they were not shatter resistant. He destroyed it with that kick. Why those particular details? Because he would practice his kicks everywhere. He was mostly blind, and the one time he flipped up to practice one and I was walking around the corner, it came literally centimeters from my face, and I felt the impact of it against the air like a physical force bashing into my face. Sweetest kid in the world. He would have been horrified if it had connected because things would have been broken. <laughs> a lot of things. He also grabbed my arm once in a suddenly firm grasp and asked if I wanted to do taekwondo with him. No, no, I did not. Clinical psychologist in training here. I've never been afraid, but my one friend had a client once who made her extremely uncomfortable. Without revealing any information that could break confidentiality, I will say he had issues with masturbating too much and not doing much else. At one point, he asked my friend if they could watch porn together in the next session so he could show her what he does. At another time, he talked about his masturbation habits while touching his dick through his pants quite a bit. Totally inappropriate behavior, obviously. This client had lots of other issues, but when these things came up, her supervisor took her off the case because it wasn't suitable for training and my friend didn't feel safe. Not me, but a friend who is the patient has what's described as treatment-resistant psychosis. She's not a scary person at all. In fact, she's really sweet and caring, but she hears voices that tell her that her parents and little brother will be raped and tortured if she doesn't follow what they say. Sometimes the voices convince her 
that staff members at the psychiatric intensive care unit she's on are working for the government and trying to run experiments on her and put bugs under her skin. So her voices will tell her to attack staff members. Not super often, but it happens. Whenever it does, she feels terrible afterwards and will cry for hours on end and beg for forgiveness. One of her voices also makes her do the ritual, which is when she strips down completely naked and sometimes eats her own shit. She herself is not a scary person. Psychosis itself is such a scary and heartbreaking illness because she's not a violent person and has tons of compassion and empathy for others. Psychotic does not equal psycho or sociopath. I suffered from psychosis due to bipolar disorder, and when I was in the thick of it, it made me manipulative, self-centered, and I heard people outside my house talking about me and saw ghosts in my room. I treated my partner like shit because I would hit him with heavy backpacks or my purse. But people stuck by me. God knows how hard it must have been for them. Because much like your friend, I am otherwise known by people who care about me as highly empathetic, open, calm, and honest. But psychosis can turn you into someone you don't even recognize. And it's like you watch yourself do these drastic things, wishing you could stop it, but you're just a passenger in your own head. Your friend's situation seems clinically worse than mine was, but I can definitely empathize, and I'm happy she has someone like you in her life who understands who she really is. I'm sure you do because you sound like a good friend, but make sure to remind her when she's at her worst, you know who she really is and don't blame her for this. Not a psychologist, but I saw a breakdown in my ex that scared me senseless. He had just started meds, and the meds reacted horribly with him for whatever reason. He mostly had hallucinations, but sometimes he'd black out and do activities and not remember them. He would call me screaming at 3 a.m., and he didn't remember a second of it. Any of it. He had hallucinations before, but they got increasingly dangerous with these new meds. In particular, I think of one instance. Well, on the phone during an episode, he said, I boiled some water. I asked why, as it was 3 a.m., and he replied eerily and calmly. They told me I have to stick my hand in there. It was absolutely terrifying. I finally begged him to go to the hospital that following morning to ask for a medication change, and he obliged. While he was there, he started throwing up blood and had to get his stomach pumped. Turns out, in one of his blackouts, he swallowed the entire bottle of medication. My brother-in-law is low-functioning, autistic, and blind. At one point, his care provider who had worked with him for years and knew him quite well got into a very dangerous situation with him. She had worked with him since he was smaller and had become experienced at interacting safely when he would become angry and aggressive. They had found a good balance of medication for him, and she let her guard down. This time, though, he was now 20 years old and 6 feet tall. In a split second, he attacked her, jumping up from the couch directly across from her chair. He was very strong and viciously aggressive. I have found myself in touch situations with him, and I'm 6'4", 225 pounds. After receiving quite a few blows from his hands, hair torn out, and bites on her arms and hands, she was able to push away across the ground and get behind the couch he had been sitting on. She quickly slid the couch into a corner so that he wouldn't have a way around it easily, and she hid herself behind it and tried to be very quiet. 
He searched that corner of the room for over an hour, following the front and side edges of the couch with his hands back and forth, pacing until he eventually lost interest and went to play with some toys off in the corner of the room. She got out of the corner and ran for the door just as her assistant was coming to remind her that she had gone over the allotted time. My brother-in-law is an amazing guy and I've had some awesome experiences with him over the years, but the idea of being hunted by someone sounds like that's pretty freaky. Good friend of mine's wife is a psychologist at a well-known prison and sees some seriously effed up people for a living. Let's just say Hannibal inspired her to do what she does for a living, and she's as close to Clarice as a person can probably get in real life. She is usually briefed on irrelevant details before she's assigned to a case. This includes court proceedings, testimonies, etc. She's heard recordings of murders and other such disturbing shit. She's tough as nails, and I guess she loves psychoanalyzing scary psychos. She had to be taken off a case because she was so uneasy, disturbed, and threatened by one of her clients. Apparently, this guy was either a serial rapist or murderer. She couldn't give lots of details, but he has a victim profile and she fit it. He started to behave strangely towards her, trying to converse with her and get to know her. He would write her letters and draw her pictures and attempt to give her tokens and things. All of these things he would do to his victims. Well, everything's possible under the circumstances. She was so upset and disturbed by his special attention that she was even afraid at the grocery store and started to feel uneasy in her home at night. Despite the fact that this guy was locked up in a maximum security prison, she described it like a hunter-prey vibe, only a really weird animalistic level. She was taken off his case and received counseling. When she told me about it, she was very honest and matter-of-fact. This is a hazard of the job she works. While she may talk about her patients as if they're lab rats, this one case you could tell really got under her skin and spooked her. So that's today's post. There are some pretty scary and creepy stuff in here. Do you have any real life experiences you'd like to share on this? We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. If you liked the video, please leave a like or a comment. It always helps us out a lot. And if you'd like to hear more and see more posts from r slash askreddit, and other subreddits when they come out on the channel, please subscribe. As always, thank you so much for watching and for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode from Ask Reddit, a subreddit where anyone can post a question and the most popular questions get upvoted to the top. Today's question is a serious one. What is the biggest secret you've kept from your parents? I make more money than I let on. My parents have and will always be the I take care of you all your life, time for you to pay it back type of parent. Except there is no end to this debt, so I hide my money from them so they can't take advantage of me. Same, the entire time I was growing up, my mom constantly reminded me she could legally sue me for 10k when I was 18 for raising me. This is my biological mother. I grew up scared. With this threat over my head, it seemed pointless to try to make anything of myself. But by the time I was old enough to know better, the mentality had sunk in and I was pretty much a huge loser until I was about 22. Edit to clarify, no, your parents cannot sue you for the cost of raising you. It was said to incite fear and generally be an a-hole parent. I record a Gundam Wing, Endless Waltz, 
over my sister's high school graduation video. It's been about 18 years, but I still feel bad. One, that's a good film. Two, high school graduation is insanely boring, and literally nobody would have ever watched that recording. You know, it is a good movie, but the effed up thing is my buddy bought it for me for my birthday before I had the chance to watch the copy on tape. And the video of her graduation also had footage of the graduation party. Many of the attendees have now passed away. I would give a lot to watch it. I met the guy my mom told me was my real father. We did a DNA test and there is a 0% chance. He even took me on a whitewater rafting trip with his wife and son. I've never told her. Did you do the DNA match through one that could connect you with family? Your father, siblings, cousins, etc.? No, I think we just used a government one. I'm not upset by it or super keen on finding my bio dad, as I have a dad who raised me, who also doesn't know I did this. It was more of a curiosity thing, and he wanted to know if he had another kid. I'm more curious because I just would want to know my backgrounds or if there is any illnesses I could be prone to. My dad doesn't know that I was suspended due to grades for a semester in college. I actually did know why my laptop wasn't working. I spilled a fair bit of Jack Daniels on it. They didn't know that I used to sneak out of the house from our second story bathroom window to go night clubbing with my friends after my parents went to bed. I used to steal money for weed and regret it to this day. My lazy butt should have just gotten a job instead. When I was at Walmart with my mom, I stole two of those big cartons full of Pokemon cards, took the cards and stuffed them in my backpack. I planned the whole robbery a week before. I was the best robber at nine years old. That I was molested as a kid and suicidal for years afterwards. They knew I had a nervous breakdown freshman year of high school and was suicidal at 15. They didn't know I'd been messed up since I was 10. Damn, why won't you tell them? This breaks my heart. My son is 13 and I want him to know that it's okay to be depressed regardless of the cause and that if he came to me, I would go to the ends of the earth to help him. How come you don't think your parents would do that for you? I'm honestly curious. My relationship with my parents was never good. Talking to them about anything is still impossible. My father is a cliche of post-war flashbacks and PTSD that I lived in fear most of my life, and my mother is emotionally battered narcissist. I don't really know. I'm not someone qualified to diagnose her. There is nothing quite like living with a man who has threatened to commit a murder-suicide if his wife left, and a woman who, when in the sixth grade you try to talk to about your emotional problems, flips the situations and begins crying about her problems. What happened to her growing up, how she suffers and suffering now, and how you can't truly understand. My grandparents were the people I was able to talk to about my problems, but even they didn't know everything. My wife does. I have no secrets from her. Being sexually abused by my cousins, which my mom would leave me at their house to go to the casino a lot as a kid. I'm so sorry. The same with me when I was around 10 with my cousin. She babysat me a lot. Now she still tries to be close with me, and I just try to go with it. My parents would be devastated if they knew. I'm a straight man. I was fondled multiple times as a child by my dirtbag father's coke dealer. Maybe I was traded, I don't know. 
I've had trouble with relationships and being faithful with partners my whole life until I attacked what happened to me head on. Toughest thing I ever had to do was tell my mom this happened to her son. The dealer killed himself about 10 years back, so I couldn't get justice. I just try to be a survivor. My abuser is still alive and very much a part of the family. I don't attend reunions where he is in attendance anymore. I told my parents 10 years ago at age 16, and they have basically denied and deflected since that day. I don't bring it up anymore. I hope you are able to move forward each day and thrive. I am fully aware of my father's extramarital affairs. I was too, but then he told me about them because my mom found out. A really disturbing and on some levels disgusting moment. He gave me bullshit that my mom had at one point agreed to have an open relationship. But then in the end, he proceeded to have an affair that he tried to keep secret. I told him if they had really agreed to an open relationship, then he needs to talk to my mom about what the terms actually are and apologize for keeping the affair a secret. He later texted me that night that she blew up and that I have ruined his life. My dad told me that I ruined his life because of his affair. I know this is unrelated and I apologize, but that shit hurt and I needed to get it off my chest, especially after seeing comments about awareness towards parental infidelity. He ruined his life by having an affair, not you. My parents divorced when I was eight. My dad left, and I never saw much of him. Among other issues, he came out to my brother and I before they divorced. I never told my mother that he was gay. My father passed in 2011, my mother in 2017. I think she had an idea, but we never discussed it. He was born in 1945 before such a thing was accepted and attempted at passing. Exactly. I suspect my dad is too, but he keeps it in, and now he's depressed. But it might be other stuff he's been through. He was even beaten to write with his right hand. He was always told he was wrong and to change for society. He really loves my mom. At best, maybe he's bi. <sighs> that my sister is gay. She openly admits it to everyone except for my family. She opened up to me, eventually, but both my parents and older brother don't know about it. Since then, we've become a lot closer than when we were kids. Saying my sister is bi, and she told me when I told her I am. So as an older sibling, I told my folks that I am first. So if she decides to tell them, it will be a little bit easier for her. My mom doesn't know I've been arrested twice. One time was even with my dad. The first time was out on a night in central London with a bunch of my mates. I stepped out of the club for a second to grab some cash. Then the bouncers refused to let me in until I got some water from the shop across the road. I did that, and they still refused me, told me to have more water, and they still wouldn't let me in. I spent the rest of the night arguing with bouncers and getting carried out of after running in while they were distracted. I was adamant about getting my $10 entry fee back. I ended up having an argument with the manager until I got the money. Then I was walking away, the police were blocking me. So I tried pushing them out of the way because I was just desperate for a kebab at that point. And I ended up being taken to the station and was in a cell for a night and then was hit with an $80 fine. The second time, I was out with my dad after going to a football game and having some beers. Late in the night, we were in a pub with a narrow corridor at the entrance. And while my dad was there texting his missus, some fellow just bumped into him and then started on him. So I waited in to break it up, and the three of us spilled into the street. 
I ended up getting cuffed in the middle of the road and carted off to the station. My old man was dragged in behind me while I was getting processed. Next morning, a copper, who actually went to school with my dad, had to ring my grandma to pick us up. She was worried and asked them if uh, they knew where I was and got a bit of a shock when they said I was there as well. Luckily, the incident was caught on CCTV, so no fine that time. When I was around 14, I overheard my parents arguing. My mom was yelling at my dad about some porn searches on the computer. It was really me that was going on the computer in the room and watching porn. He kept denying it, and she kept calling him a liar. He slept in the guest bedroom for a month after that fight. When I was in the seventh grade, I started to get into porn, and my favorite for some reason was guy-on-guy stuff, even though I'm a girl. Anyways, I didn't know how anything but YouTube worked, so I ended up downloading like three gay porn videos on my phone, and I had an Android, so when I deleted the videos, the download history was still in my phone. For some reason, my mom took my phone and went through it and sat me down and asked me about the porn she found on it. But for some more context, I had to keep my phone in the living room at night and could only have it during the day. Now, I'm not proud of this, but I'm a good liar. But in this situation, I didn't have to do much lying because as soon as I started crying and say I didn't do it, she immediately believed me and blamed it on my stepdad, saying that she had a suspicion that he was gay through the whole relationship and all that. After that, she never confronted him and just continued to stay with him, even though she thought he was gay. And that's when I realized my mom was a gold digger. I was heavily addicted to morphine for my entire time at university. My depression and the fact I nearly failed out the first year because I couldn't handle university. (laughs) I used to watch South Park when they thought I was sleeping. I was accused of rape when I was 17. That's legally an adult in Texas, so they didn't have to tell my parents. And a detective took my phone for the school day to verify the text, proving the encounter was consensual and was real. Really weird time in my life, having to deal with the fallout at school and not telling them the truth. You know, that I'm not going to finish my degree, and I paid off my student loans. My degree was pointless. I don't do well in school due to my ADHD. My dad constantly asks me when I'm going to finish and stop bartending. I just say soon. I hate disappointing them because my dad gets very proud of my sister and I with our accomplishments. But truth be told, I'm quite content with the 60k I make bartending. My degree would have only pulled off 35k starting. So that's today's post. They were some silly stories, but mostly very serious ones. Are you willing to share any secrets you kept from your parents? We would love to hear them in the comments below. If you liked the video, leave a like or a comment. It always helps us out a lot. And if you'd like to hear more and see more posts from r slash askreddit and other subreddits when they come out on the channel, please subscribe. As always, thank you so much for watching and for listening.